All right, so we, we've been talking about this topic of grace, and um, we've been talking, the, the main thing is, fine, you say that, is blessed, is that we're blessed, and it's not blessed with worldly stuff, even though God gives us these things, right? I mean, just look around this room. I mean, we're blessed. If you, uh, <laughs> I keep bringing up Haiti, but when you go to Haiti with me, and you see what they worship in, I could show you some pictures, uh, you know, when a strong wind comes, it just blows the thing over. Uh, because it's just made out of tin and, um, and uh, uh, light bulbs that some of them work and some of them don't, and they're hanging from the tin. And, but people just come because they want to worship God. And it's so cool, but, but look around. We're, we're blessed in this country. we got so much stuff. And, and that makes it hard, I think, because it's easy to get attached to our stuff. It's very easy to, for us to get attached to the nice things that we have. But we have to fight that, don't we? Because we know that being blessed means that we're blessed by the things from heaven because only those things really are eternal. Everything else will be destroyed. Everything else is going to be burned up. All of it. Everything. There's nothing on this planet, nothing that you have that is going to escape the fire when Jesus returns and this place gets leveled. Okay, it's going to just... You've seen the fires in California. You've probably seen pictures. How sad is that? You know, those just home after home after home gone. When uh, Rob Travis, who went with us to Texas this time, we went down to um, Florida for one of the hurricanes. And, and on some of those um, coastal uh, plots where they, there's house after house after house, you go to the beach, right? And you rent a place on the house. Well, we saw nothing but foundation, just flat slabs. Every house washed away. Not even, not even like a, a, not even a log. Not even a two by four. Not even a roof. It wasn't like there was a pile of their house, and you can go, oh, there's their house. There was nothing. I mean, it was like washed clean. Everything was like somewhere else in Louisiana or somewhere. I mean, just washed, gone. That's how all our stuff's gonna be. So we know we're not blessed because of this stuff. This stuff is just tools. Just tools to be used by God and his people to help other people know him. That's all this stuff is. Right? Amen to that? We got that, right? So we know that. We got to fight against that. But we know we're blessed because of what we said. The joy, right? That, the gift of joy that God gives us. And in our heart, no one can take that away. You know, that's an eternal, heavenly gift that God gives us. And we open that gift and we're full of joy because of, of what he's done for us. It's amazing joy. And, and this stuff of this world can't compare to that. <laughs> Nothing can, right? And then we're, we're blessed because of the hope that we have, right? We have this hope, this gift of hope that God says, I love you and you're mine and I want you to have purpose and, and I want you to be with me forever. When this is all done and it's all washed away, your hope is not in anything here. Our hope is completely in him. Oh, that's a gift that no one can take away from you. The only thing thing that could take that away is if you give it away, right? Or if you turn on it and go chase something else, right? You can forfeit the gift or you can embrace it and say, I'm living in this. You know, I'm blessed because of the joy. I'm blessed because of the hope. And and we're talking about we're blessed because of this grace, this amazing grace. And so we're going to hit the the pause button and go from here. Okay, last week we said that grace is undeserved favorite. It's this overarching canopy flood of God that just comes all, all over anyone who's in Christ, right? When you give your life to Jesus, you surrender to him. And you say, God, I need you in my life. I understand that I have fallen from you. I've sinned and I'm falling short of your glory. And I need your grace. And when he pours out that grace and you come into that relationship with him, you are completely covered. 
in this grace. And what is grace? Grace, we said last week, is that is God taking care of our biggest need. And our biggest need isn't the stuff of the world. Our biggest need is sin. We have a sin problem, and that sin has separated us from God. And, and God taking care of our biggest need is that he provided a way for us to be forgiven of our sin, our offense toward him, and we can have hope, and we can have joy, and we can have grace because of that, right? That's why we sing. That's why we can have a smile on our face. We don't need to worry about all the other details. They're there. They're always going to be there. Details will always be there, won't they? They'll always be there. But God's grace... Whew, washes, washes over all that. I mean, it's so much bigger than all that stuff, it's amazing. That's why we sing about amazing grace, right? Romans 5, we said last week, talked about the trespass and the gift, right? The trespass came through Adam, and as a result, all have sinned. And the gift came, the grace of, gift, of grace came from Jesus, through Jesus. And so the grace is greater than the trespass. Right? The gift is greater than the trespass, Romans 5 says. And because we walk in that gift, the, the trespass has been canceled out. Paid for. Your debt, your sin, your punishment, paid for by Jesus on the cross. Isn't that good news? I mean, this should be a lot of hooping and hollering going on right now. I mean, if I said, Carolina Panthers won the Super Bowl, you'd all go, woo-woo, yeah, woo-woo. I say, Jesus died on the cross and you're safe forever. And I'm That's it. That's kind of cool. That's kind of neat. I think because we're not sure we can do that in church, right? Can we, can we, like, can we do that in church? We can do that in church, okay. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thank you for that. Star Wars? Yeah. So our biggest need was to be made right with God. That was our biggest need, to be made right with God, right? That's what we needed more than anything else is that we needed to be made right with God, and that's what God has done. So in 1 John chapter 8, uh, we, we saw this verse, chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 8, yeah, it talks about two things. It talks about you, and it talks about God when it comes to grace, and when it comes to our sin. And uh, John says in here, if, if you will admit your sin to God, if you'll just come clean with God, if you will confess your sin to God, right? That's what John says. He says, um, about this, this sin problem that we have, that what God is looking for from his people is simply us humbling ourselves and admitting to him that we need him. Right? That's really all that God wants. He doesn't demand, you know, you're firstborn. You know, he doesn't demand, you know, that you do anything. You, in fact, you can't do anything other than just surrender to what he's done for you, right? And that's what he says. He says, if you will admit, just face it, come clean, then God is faithful, right? He'll forgive your sins and he'll purify you, right? He does so much more than you do or that I do when I just come clean with him. And Psalm 32 said uh, that I acknowledge my sin to you, did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's where we kind of ended last time. Is that God says, if you'll just humble yourself, face the fact that sin has separated you, that my grace in my love for you, if you'll just admit and confess to me that you need me, that, that you want me in your life, I will do so much for you that you will not be able to contain it. 
You know, his grace will be poured out on you. And so that's right where we are. So grace is God taking care of our biggest need. And today, grace is God making it happen for you. You can't do it. There's nothing you can do, right? If God, if God said, okay, figure out a way to me. I can't do that. None of us can do that. All of us together could never come. You know, they tried to do that back in the Old Testament, right? It's called the Tower of Babel. Didn't work. Doesn't get you to God. We can, there's nothing we can do to, to, to be forgiven, to be, have our sins removed. God had to do something. And so grace is God making it happen for you. Our sin took us out, like running away from God, right? That's what our sin is. It's us saying, God, I know what you want, but I'm choosing to do what I want. I know you want me to, to live this way or to honor you or to worship you or to, to give you all that, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm, I'm just going to do it my way. That's what sin is. It's running away. It's our choice to say, God, I don't want to do it your way. I'm doing it my way. We may not come out and say that out loud, but in our heart, that's what we're saying when we sin. It's because sin is knowing that we're rebelling against God, right? That's what sin is. It's an understanding that this is what God says and this is what I'm going to do. I'm doing it my way. That's sin. And so we are like lambs running, right? Lambs running like full speed off a cliff. Like we're, woo, we're going, yeah, we're running, we're having a great time. Boom, we're off a cliff, that's where we're headed. That's what we are, that's what we are, the Bible says, we are that. You know, we're sheep, wandering away. Anybody know the name Wu Young Ning? Wu Young Ning, you might have seen this guy in the news. Sad story, really, 26-year-old guy, China. This is a Chinese daredevil dude. I mean, this guy gets up on skyscrapers like way up there in China, and he does stupid, I mean, incredible things, like it turns out to be stupid. He hangs off them doing pull-ups, and just like he takes one of those, what are those things you get on and you just, you know, kind of cruise around without no handlebars, a Sega, Sega, hoverboard, something like that. He gets on those right on the edge, and he, he, he like gets as close as he can to the edge. He just does all these stupid things. You can get on the computer and see it. But this fearless rooftopper, they called him, a big social media guy, he's just all over China, and everyone can't, comes to watch this guy do his stuff, hanging from skyscraper. Well, well, not long ago, the other day, he plunged 62 floors to his death. Yeah, something went wrong, right? That's him, that's him. Just hanging off, <laughs> hanging off with nothing, no ropes, no nothing, just hanging off. In fact, he recorded his death. Like, you can get on and see him messing around. Huh? Yeah, we're not going to show that. Uh, you, could, he, you see him messing around, then all of a sudden he, he slips, his hands give out, and he's, he's out of the picture. And he's now, you know, 62 floors down onto concrete. But you know what? That's us. That's how we are toward God. You know, we're running wild, right? People gone wild. That's what we are. Anything kind of goes. We just grab onto everything and anything that makes us feel good for a little while. You know, whatever pleasure might come our way, we just go running after it. That's us, plunging to our death. Spiritually, plunging to our death without God. You know, that, that's, that's us. Sheep who have gone astray, like Jonah, running away from God. That describes all of us. And that describes us. It's who we are. We're just running from God. And when we needed someone to speak for us, because we couldn't speak for ourselves, and we could look around the earth, and there's no one there that can speak for us to God. Nobody can represent us to God, because we're all in the same boat of sin. God sends his son. 
When we couldn't speak for ourselves, God sent us a spokesperson. You know what that's called? Grace. Look at uh, 1 John. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. So flip there if you would. Open your Bibles if you have them with you. You may use your phones at this time, but only for Scripture. <laughs> 1 John chapter 2. This is such an amazing passage of Scripture because this is grace. I mean, this is why we come here. This is what we sing about. This is the grace of God. And really, this is all, you know, in the end, this is all that matters, is the word of God, the truth of God, right? In the end, nothing else matters. Your football team doesn't matter, right? Nothing matters. In the end, this is what matters, right? We got to cling on to this. Look what John says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, he says this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. That's the goal, don't sin. Like that's the goal God has for us is don't. Fight against it, resist it, don't sin. Okay, but God knows, and so he says, but if anyone does sin, okay, get that, if you do sin, we, and, and we know what sin is, it separates us from God. It's what caused Jesus to have to come and die on a cross, is our sin, our offense to God, our rebelliousness to God. He says, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He says, we have an advocate with the Father. We have someone to re represent us to the Father. We have a spokesman to the Father, and his name is Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the righteous one of God. We have, John says, an advocate for our sin. Jesus is your advocate to the Father. Now, I don't know if how that hits you right now this morning, and you probably heard this so much that you're going, okay, yeah, I know that. But you, we got to grab that again. Okay, we need to hear it again, maybe for the first time. Just forget everything else you've ever, anytime you've ever heard that before, and realize right now that you and God are separated by your sin, and God sent Jesus to be your go-between, your spokesperson. He is the only way back. If that doesn't get you excited, if that doesn't like get your joy going a little bit, like man. Everything else is small. There, nothing compares to this. Everything else is so far down the, the list compared to this issue and your sin and grace that, that nothing else matters. God sent Jesus. He's your advocate. That word means a paraclete. Paraclete. It's one that pleads the cause of another. That's what it means to be your advocate. God sent an advocate. His name is Jesus. He's your helper. He's your intercessor. He has been called to your aid because you couldn't do this for yourself. I couldn't do this for ourselves. Nothing we could do for ourselves could get us back with God. This word advocate, it's like a legal term, right? Like in a tribunal or a public hearing or in the court of law. It means a mediator, a go-between. Somebody who is a bridge, who will represent you. Jesus is our spiritual heavenly counselor. Isn't that good news? I mean, that's grace. When you think of grace at its raw sense, at the bottom line, what is grace? It's God rescuing me through his son and him speaking for me because I can't speak for myself. I blew it already. My sin has disqualified me 
The punishment is true and clear. Death to me for my sin. I am doomed without God doing something. And he chose to do something. That's grace. That's, that's amazing, amazing grace. And John continues in this, uh, this chapter in John 2, or 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and this is what he says. Not only is Jesus your advocate, the one who speaks for you, but look what he says. He, Jesus, your advocate, is also the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Get that? He's also the atoning sacrifice for your sin. So not only did he come to be your spokesperson, but he also came to pay the penalty that you owe. Your atoning sacrifice, that means to make right again. He is the one who makes you right again with God when you could not make yourself right with God. There is nothing you can do. You could plead all you want. You could beg all you want. You can give everything you've got. It's not going to get there. It ain't going to make you right with God. Only one thing would, and that's the perfect sacrifice of his son for you. He's not just your advocate, but he's also your atoning sacrifice. He's the one that made you right with God again. God provides a way for you to come back, to be reconciled, to be made right with him. Christ dying on the cross, his blood shed for your sin, providing your forgiveness, evil defeated, death conquered, the atonement for your sin, the at-one-ment for your sin, the one thing that could only bring you back to God, God did through Jesus. So not only is he your advocate, but he is also your punishment bearer. You know what that's called? That's grace. More grace. That's amazing, amazing grace. It's not just God looking at us and feeling bad for us. It's God looking at us and doing something about our situation. He came for you, right? He came for me. That's the grace of God. It's amazing grace. Not only for ours, but notice what the passage says, but also for the sins of the world, the whole world. Everyone can come into this grace just by accepting Christ into your life and beginning to walk with him and being washed in him, you can come into a relationship with God and have this amazing grace cover you and life takes on a whole new meaning when that happens. Do you know what you need most for Christmas? (laughs) Do you know what you need most for Christmas? (laughs) Yeah, we need joy because joy is awesome and we need hope because hope is amazing, but we need grace. We need the grace of God more than we need anything else on the planet. That's what we need. God's cleansing love for your soul, his mercy, his love, his compassion, his forgiveness, his all-encompassing washing away your sin, making you right again with him, that grace, grace, God's grace. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, every time you hear the word grace, it should just make you feel like you are the king or queen of the world. That the creator loves you that much that he would come here for you, right? To take care of your sin need and pay the penalty for that. Someone once said, sin can never stop grace, but grace crushes sin. That's true. Sin will never stop grace. Grace is greater than all sin. But that doesn't give us a license to sin, correct? Right? We understand that. Just because grace is greater than our sin doesn't mean we're going to push grace to see how big it can get. 
right? Some people think that that's how we'll live, right? We'll just, you know, God's grace is greater than my sin. I'll just, you know, God knows. God's grace is greater than my sin. Sin, sin, sin. Sin city. Because God's grace is greater than that. That's not a license to sin. Right? By no means should we live like that. So here's, what, here's the story. Here's the deal. Not only does God create us in his image, right? He makes us all in his image and he loves us and he breathes into us the breath of life. And we are like him in his image. But when we wandered away like rebellious children, he came for us, right? He provides our advocate. He provided our spiritual mediator, the go-between that we needed to get back into his good standing, back into his presence. He provided the advocate. And then when the punishment for your sin was pronounced, in other words, in a court of law, like anybody watched the show Bull? Bull? See the show Bull? Bull's good show. Bull's this guy. He was on NCIS. Watch NCIS, anybody? Okay, great. Okay. So Bull is like this uh, Tony Donozo, this slap in the head guy. Uh, so he's got his own show. It's called Bull. And in this show, Bull, what he does, he's a, he's a trial scientist. And he represents all kinds of people. But usually it's the people that can't represent themselves. It's usually somebody who has this really sad story. And they have been found guilty. And they're going away for a long time. And he realizes they're probably not guilty. And he takes them on. That's what God has done for you and me. He, has, he comes for us. <laughs> right? Us. Not kings and queens. He comes for us. Lowly people. That's God. He comes for us because he loves us so much. He's our advocate. And when we were found guilty, when the judge said, you are guilty for your sins, the one sitting next to us on our side of the courtroom, whose name is Jesus, our advocate, then steps up and says, I paid the price for his sin. And, and the judge says, dismissed. Because of what Christ has done for you. Right? You are found innocent because you are in Christ and because Christ is in you. And only in that grace will that ever happen for you in the future. Outside of that grace, you are guilty of your sin and doomed forever in hell. But in that grace, you have the forgiveness of your sins. And our punishment, when pronounced on us, Jesus died in your place. And he became your atoning sacrifice for your sin. How amazing is that, right? And this grace not only takes care of our biggest need, this grace not only is what God did to make it happen for us because we couldn't for ourselves, but this grace is alive. This isn't just a one-time event back in history that God did. And there's his grace. Now believe in it, know everything you can about it. But his grace is working and alive today. Do you believe that? You believe that his, his, his grace is working in you, moving in you. It's alive today. It's moving all around us and it's moving through you. J.I. Packer said this, grace, check this out. Grace is God's love in action towards sinful man. That's an act of grace. That's a moving grace. That's a grace that is alive and looking for someone else to pour itself out onto. And that's grace that is working in you, trying to clean you up and make you right. And get you more and more like Christ. To, to become more and more like the Christ that you were created in the image of. And that we have fallen away from. God, that grace is working in us. It's moving all around us. It's living and breathing. It's the Son of God grace. It's not just an object. And it's not just a doctrine. It is Jesus Christ alive and well in you. That's grace. Jesus is grace. The term, you've heard the term active agent, right? Active agent. And usually it refers to some kind of chemical that is active 
like loosening something, like maybe paint or a detergent that you use in your laundry, right? That's an active agent. That's, that's, it's a chemical. It's in there, and it's working, trying to loosen stuff up and break it away and get it out of there. And that's what grace is. Right? It's an active agent that it, it produces this chemical reaction. And when grace is working in your life, it produces this reaction that works in you and moves through you and changes who you are. And who you are today is not who you will be tomorrow if grace is working in your life. Because you're going to become more and more like him. You're going to be more and more mindful of how he lives and how he would be living in your shoes. That's an active agent of grace. It's alive and it's working and it's moving in you. Last passage of scripture we're going to look at, Titus chapter 2. Flip there with me, Titus 2. What an amazing passage here. Teaches us that this grace is alive, that this grace is active, and that this grace is Jesus, right? He's alive and well, right? He's alive and well, amen? He is. And that grace is Jesus. Look what he says. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. He says this. For the grace of God has appeared. You get that? And who has appeared? Our advocate. Our atoning sacrifice appeared. He came to this earth for you and for me. And his name is Jesus. Look what he says there. For the grace of God has appeared. It's not a doctrine. It's not some object. It's not just some one-time event that happened in the past. This grace that appeared is Jesus. And he's alive and working today in you and in this world and through his people and in his church, the advocate Jesus. And look what he says. The grace of God has appeared, and that offers, this grace offers salvation to who? To all people. See, and you know what that is? That's the invite That's your invitation to anyone and everyone to come into this grace, to accept this grace, this healing, this wholeness, this soul, deep soul cleansing that you can get in Jesus, but him only. He's the only one who can reach deep down into your soul and bring about true cleansing and forgiveness and mercy and healing. Only Jesus. You're not going to find this anywhere else, right? There's nowhere else on the planet to find this kind of cleansing and healing and, and, and grace. He appeared, right? He appeared and he offers salvation to all people. Verse 12, look at this. And it teaches us, it, this amazing grace, this Jesus grace, this living, appearing Jesus, teaches us, that's an active word, it teaches us, this, the grace of God is teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. The grace of God working in my life is teaching me to resist the evil of the world, to say no, to not give in to it, to fight against it, to stand in the armor of God, in the presence of God, because the battle is God's, and in Him I can say no. In Him I can fight, I can resist. No to ungodliness and worldly passion, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace is not a license to sin. God expects me in grace to say no to my pleasures, no to my sinfulness, no to the temptations that come my way, to say no, to resist it, to fight it, to not give in to it, but instead live this this controlled life, right? This upright, this godly life. This is grace. 
actively working in your life. It's Jesus Christ in you trying to help you live for God and live in God with God. That's what grace is. It's working. It's active. It's living in you. I mean, I didn't know so much was going on inside of us, do we? I mean, there's a lot going on in there, right? This humongous God, like, is in you. (laughs) That's crazy right there, isn't it? I mean, like, you would think we would just, like, blow up when that Holy Spirit fills your life and and all of the, the mystery of God, Christ in you, the hope of your glory, is living in you. It just feels like we should just burst. Because we're just these jars of clay. How do we even contain it? How does it even stay in us and move in us and and work in us? It just seems like a miracle. Maybe because it is. Someone once said that grace meets you right where you are but never leaves you there. Right? It, It meets you where you are. So no matter where you are in this world, wherever you are with God, whatever's going on in your life, doesn't matter. God's grace meets you right where you are, but it doesn't leave you right where you are. It moves. It's going to move you, right? Becoming more in the image of God, and it saves us. It's an actively work of God that is saving us. By grace, you have been saved through your faith, right? Not by works. No one can boast about what I did to get God's grace. All I can boast in is that God sent his son and I accepted him as Lord of my life. I boast in that. Verse 13. Verse 13 says this, while we wait. Okay, so back up with me. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, offers salvation to all people, teaches us to say no, while we are waiting for something to happen and we're still waiting for this to happen, the blessed hope, we're waiting for the blessed hope, that hope, that gift of hope is going to come again, the appearing, there it is again, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming again. Grace not only was working before you ever came on the planet, but grace was working in you when you gave your life to Christ and grace is still working in you as you live out your life and grace is coming again. You are truly covered in grace when you're in Him. Outside of Him, you are in trouble. You don't come into Christ. You stay out in the dark and you're in trouble out there. The only safe place to be, the only hope, the only joy, the only grace is in a relationship with Jesus. That's the only safe place to be. Verse 14, who gave Himself, there's our atoning sacrifice, and our advocate for us to redeem us from all wickedness, our wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. See, not only is God doing this in you and for you, but he's doing this because he wants you to be his. In grace, he wants you and me to be his children, to be his family. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's just amazing grace. In that he is so patient with you and me, he says that to purify us for himself, a people that are his very own. I mean, when you say, like, this is mine, that's, that's one thing. But when you, like, say, this is my very own, there's, there's a little more to that. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's this, like, sense of, like, this belongs to me. You know, it's not just something I have. This is mine. This is my treasured thing. 
And God says that about you. You are his treasured people. We are his treasured, treasured children. And then he, look what he says. Don't miss the very end of that. He says that are his very own eager to do what is good. That's what we want to do. We want to live good lives. We want to help people. We want to pour out that grace toward others so others will find it, right? And find hope and joy and grace in Christ. That's why we live. That's why we come together is so we can figure out and plan together and huddle up and say, how can we help other people find this grace? Because we believe it is the greatest thing that anyone could ever find, right? I mean, there's nothing greater on the planet, or any planet for that matter, than the amazing grace, this gift of God to you. 